0: Well, guys, it's uh, my privilege to announce one of our brothers here, introduce him all the way from table 16, Um, John Riley. Welcome, John, as he comes to share this morning. (laughs) Good morning, everybody. God is not a micromanager. Uh, God is not a micromanager. This uh, idea came to me a number of weeks ago... uh, as I overheard bits and snippets of conversations going on around me at church and all that, uh, just, 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 it just hit me that God is not a micromanager. And as I contemplated and thought about it and kind of wrapped my head around it, Pastor Tom approaches me and wants to know if God's placed it in my heart, something to share to the table. Coincidence? Is it odd or God. Yeah, I, I. Do you remember where is Pastor Tom? I, I stood there dumbfounded for a quick moment when he asked, "Remember that?" I just stood there and I said, "You know, it's funny you should ask me that because I've had this going through in my head. God is not a micromanager." I want to start off with a little video. The Lord bless you and keep you. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. I want to talk about this simple commandment. To go and make followers and disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and pass on to them uh, His teachings and examples. He simply said to go forward and make followers and disciples of all nations. God is not a micromanager. He doesn't... Constantly belittle and control, manipulate, criticize, judge, condemn, and exhibit excessive uh, attention to minor details. Anyone here ever work with a uh, micromanager? Anyone here a micromanager? Okay. (laughs) God is not a micromanager. And it's been left to us uh, and our God-given creativity to figure out how best to go forward and to make followers and disciples of everyone that we come in contact with. Now, I did not go to preacher school, and I didn't always pay attention in Sunday school, but I believe that just about every case where Jesus taught, he used stories and and parables to illustrate and highlight concepts, ideas, and behavior, or he modeled it for us with his own behavior and actions, such as washing the, the feet of his disciples. He did specifically verbally teach us how to pray. In the book of Matthew, it says, This then is how you should pray, our Father who art in heaven. And he kept it simple, right? So I think we need to take what he did verbalize, demonstrate, and illustrate and just do those things to the people and with the people around us, be they our neighbors, co-workers, or whoever, strangers. But people tend to greatly overthink this. They greatly overthink the simple tasking commandment and we make things way more complicated than they need to be or should be. I know I used to. Some people think that they need to be able to preach, eloquent preachers quote scripture, be animated on stage, be able to pray eloquently out loud for about 15 minutes straight. I used to think these things. Some people think it may mean standing on a street corner with a big poster. The end is near. Some people also think it's just enough to send money to some missionary on some far off land and they feel like they've done their part. Greg Malchon, is Greg here today? Mentioned that about two weeks ago. How we are missionaries is the people around us. And how sometimes it's not going to be convenient or even comfortable, right? I think we've all been there. But we're told to go forth. Jesus didn't say to send money, he just said, go. He said, go. He doesn't elaborate, he doesn't specify, he doesn't go into detail, he just says, go. And sometimes it can be very, very uncomfortable. Years ago, I arrested a guy for domestic assault. I found him hiding behind the unattached uh, garage. And as I closed in to make the arrest, he swallowed what appeared to be a handful of crack cocaine. So I follow him, and I have to babysit him. We're sitting over there at Blodgett Hospital over there in the East Grand Rapids area. Things are quiet. Things are dark. It's just me and him in this room. And the only sound we hear right now are the beeping of the monitors. And I'm just sitting there, and I hear this voice say, talk to him. Talk to him. So I started talking to him, and I remember clearly looking up at him, and I said, hey. He looks at me, and I said, do you realize, I don't know how many times you've swallowed crackle cocaine in your life, but do you realize that if you die in the next few moments, it's just me and God in this room to hear any words you may ha- last words you may have? I said, where are your homies now? Where's your family and we started talking and tears are streaming down his face. And I had a connection with this guy. And we're, we're talking, I'm talking about God and we talked about fatherless homes and we're talking about ch- bad choices. And then I hear this voice again saying in my head, go pray with him. I ignore that. That idea made me very uncomfortable. So I told him, I said, you know what, I'm going to pray for you. I'm gonna go back to Red's life. I go to Red's life. I'll talk to you. i talk about you at my, at my men's table. We're gonna pray. pray for you, brother. Go pray with him. I fought it. And I'm, I'm just on my high horse. I'm preaching. I'm preaching it. Oh, I, Randy Don would have been proud of me. I was preaching this guy. <laughs> but I kept hearing this voice say, go pray, uh, pray with him. I fought that. No! Why am I going to go pray with this idiot who believes in beating his woman and stupid enough to swallow crack cocaine? Are you kidding me? Why am I going to go pray with this man? The nurse might come in here and see me. But he's my prisoner. My prisoner. I'm the cop. Why am I going to go pray? I fought it to the point where I started feeling ill. By the time I dropped him off at the Kent County Jail, I was feeling incredibly nauseous. I was feeling very sick, because this tug of war was going on in my head. About the time that I turned them over to the deputies, I, duh, I had an epiphany. It hit me like a ton of bricks. John, you were just disobeying God to his face. It hit me like a ton of bricks. In the 15 seconds it took for me to walk out to my car, I was literally almost on my knees begging God for forgiveness and telling him that from that day on forward, I will not, will not miss an opportunity to plant a seed or say something to another uh, person. Really? You know, part of the problem was not so much how I saw him. The problem was not so much how I saw myself. The problem was how I saw him. I didn't see him as a broken man Having gone through tough choices and and suffering from bad choice after bad choice after tough, tough time in life. How did Jesus see the guys who were dying next to him that day? Again, Jesus modeled for us how we're supposed to behave and act. Not that it's easy, right? Not that it's easy. Jesus isn't a micromanager. And his last commandment to us is simple but significant. Because if we proclaim Jesus as Lord and Savior, then we need to go forward. We need to go. It's just what you do. In the military, the general put out his operations order, and he spells out his intent and concept of operations. His unit commanders take a look at his intent and concept of operations, and they have to figure out how their specific units are going to go forth and execute to accomplish that overall mission. The general does not micromanage, or he shouldn't anyway, He doesn't micromanage how they should execute their mission. He just wants them to move out and execute. I had a drill sergeant who was always saying, rather loudly, for us to move out and draw fire. And don't you know that every time we walk out of these doors, we are going to draw fire from the enemy and his his minions. We are going to draw fire. During Desert Storm in 1991, the intent was to drive Iraqi forces out of Kuwait The concept of operations was for a coalition of forces to work together in unison and using air, land, and sea units cohesively to push the Iraqi forces out of the Kuwaiti Theater of Operations. It was up to the unit commanders to plan their specific small but critical part of the overall plan. Each unit would run into their own specific obstacles, defenses, challenges, and they needed to be ready to adapt, improvise, overcome, and they needed to keep moving. Do you guys remember, at that time, all those video footages of the uh, Iraqi soldiers surrendering by the hundreds and thousands? We ignored them. We did not get distracted. We bypassed them and kept our eye focused on the objective. And we trusted that General Schwarzkopf had a plan that would work. We had to trust that the uh, allied coalition forces would do a job, just like I had to trust the Marines would do their job. Where's Mark Edgecombe? No. Any other Marines here? I salute you, men. Love you guys. Um, we all have uh, had our small but critical part in the plan. We all have our small and critical part in God's plan. And you've got to recognize that. Don't overthink it. We are going to run into our own obstacles, our own challenges, our own distractions, our own temptations. We have to be able to adapt, improvise, overcome, and we need to be able to drive on, stay focused on the goal. We absolutely need to be trusting God that he has a winning game plan and that we have a critical part in that plan. That is God's concept of operations right there. Very simple. Intent and concept is spelled out. Go forth, make followers and disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them what Jesus taught us. How we come up with how we execute that plan is on us. God is not a micromanager. We just need to go and execute. We can be proactive or we can do nothing. Just like in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, the one servant uh, who did nothing with his talent uh, when the master went away. We can do something with our God-given talents or we can do nothing. It's up to us. God is not a micromanager. But I often think that uh, oftentimes we get bogged down with overthinking it, that we have to do something big and splashy, um, something uh, uh, that just catches people's attentions. Again, either praying eloquently out loud or being animated on stage. Uh, I think we're overthinking it, but, but we do have to do something. We have to say something. It doesn't have to be complicated. I'm not good at, I'm not good at quoting Scripture, I don't know how to pray eloquently for 50 minutes at a time, but I can share what God has done in my life, and I can share what I know God has done in other people's lives. I can also simply tell people that God has a different plan for them. In June 2013, about a week after Randy's uh, golf uh, tournament that day, I got a phone call from a guy. He had just had lunch with my brother-in-law, and he said, "Uh, you know, I told Randy something about you, and he said that I should call and tell you myself. He goes, John, it's because of you I ended up turning my life around and giving my life to God. He goes, you arrested me for drunk driving in 2007, over there by Breton in 28th. You said, you're real cool with me. I done wrong. When you handed me over to the Kent County deputies, you caught my attention. You said, hey, God has a different plan for you. Then you turned around and walked away. He goes, John, I went on to make some other bad choices, but what you said just burned in me burned in me and then finally it just clicked he goes john today i'm a pastor i want you to come talk to my kids my youth group (laughs) of all the people whose lives i touch and i'm 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 aware of a few that one story validates everything i did i helped one man find god and all i had to simply say was god's got a different plan for you i didn't quote scripture i didn't tell him you're going to go burn in hell I didn't do any of that. I was just, hey, God's got a different plan. Men, don't overthink it. Just be you. God isn't a micromanager. Just be you. You know, you do know what you need to do and what you need to say. reason why you're probably not doing it is because you feel uncomfortable, like I did about praying with that man. Just do. Don't think about it. During the amphibious landings on Lady Island, MacArthur's return to the Philippines, October 20th, 1944. Landing forces were getting bogged down on the beaches. They were getting shot up pretty bad, getting mauled. It happened to be the 24th Infantry Division that was landing on that beach, which happened to be the division unit I was uh, in uh, during Desert Storm. General Aubrey Newman saw his 24th Infantry Division getting bogged down and chewed up. And he got up and ran forward and said, Get the bleep off the beach, follow me. Today, follow me is now the uh, motto of the U.S. Infantry. Men, I'm telling you, don't get bogged down on the beaches. Get up and move. Get up and move. It's a simple operations order. The commander's intent and concept is simple and clear. Go and make followers of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to do, teach them to do all the things I've told you, and I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Men, I want you to consider this meeting today as our forward tactical assembly area. When you walk out that door, that that door right there is your line of departure. When you guys walk out this door, your weapons are free. I want you to smash into anything the enemy is going to try to put in front of you. With speed, shock, violence of action, I want you to destroy the enemy, and I want you to stay focused on the objective. Don't get distracted. Don't get bogged down. Get up and move. Everybody got that? So move out and draw fire and know that God is with you always.